He cares for me always. He provides me rest in rich green fields beside streams of refreshing water. He soothes my fears. He makes me whole again, steering me off worn, hard paths to roads where truth and righteousness echo his name. Even in the unending shadows of death's darkness, I am not overcome by fear because you are with me in those dark moments. Near with your protection and guidance, I am comforted. You spread out a table before me, provisions in the midst of attack from my enemies. You care for all my needs, anointing my head with soothing, fragrant oil, filling my cup again and again with your grace. Certainly, your faithful protection and loving provision will pursue me where I go, always, everywhere. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, I don't know about you, but um, this 23rd Psalm series has been really good for me personally. I have uh, been in the midst of some year-end craziness. And um, just hearing those words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It just somehow chills me out and helps me to keep grounded about what's really important. It reminds me that when the Lord is my shepherd, I have a different perspective. Because now, all the crap that I get so uptight about, the stuff that keeps me awake at night, suddenly just isn't that big a deal anymore. Not that any of it has somehow magically disappeared. I still have to walk through it. But the truth is that now I can deal with it all differently because now when I walk through those valleys, I fear no evil because I remember he's with me and what's important. And what's not. And to be honest with you, none of the stuff that I worry about most of the time, in the end, it's just not going to matter all that much. And so, as we've been walking through this psalm, and as David comes to the very last line of Psalm 23, it's almost like he finishes in this kind of understated way, but... It's all so final when he says, And I, I will dwell in the house of God forever. I've always taken that to mean that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven and live with Jesus. When we think of eternal life, if we ever think about it at all, we think of it as what happens when my life comes to an end. In other words, when my life ends, eternity begins. But what if we can think about that all differently? What if we're not waiting around to die so that eternity can begin? What if heaven isn't this faraway place that's out there in the distance? Is it possible that we are already living in eternity now. 
I mean, what if when David says, and I will dwell in the house of God forever, he's talking about starting today. The word dwell, when you look it up, it means to remain for a time or to linger. And when you want to dwell somewhere, it means that you are so drawn to this place that you don't want to leave. And so you linger there. You remain there. I love to linger by a fire on a cold winter's night. I tend to linger by the table a little longer than I probably should with after a good meal that I love. I love to linger when I'm hanging out with friends that I'm close to and we're having a great time. We linger just a little longer because you don't want the night to end. We linger in those places we love to be. But David takes it to a whole other level. He says, I'm not going to just go visit the house of God. I'm not going to go just hang out there for a while because I'm having such a good time. I'm moving in. And I'm not moving in for just a while, like until I get on my feet again kind of a thing. He says, you're stuck with me, God, because I'm moving in for good. Forever. I don't think that what David is saying is that someday when we die, we're going to live in heaven. I think what David is saying in this line when he says, I think think he's saying that when the Lord is my shepherd, it changes everything. And when the Lord is my shepherd, I am living in the house of God right now. Even though I may not be able to see him, certainly times where I'm not feeling him, but I am standing here in the presence of the creator of the universe, which is his house. And even though most of us, I would say, if we're here on a Sunday morning, that we believe that we were created as spiritual beings, because most of us believe that we were created in the image of God, Our spirituality still scares us if we're honest about it. It threatens the way that we live our lives. It forces us to become something different that stands out from the status quo. Our spirituality is inconvenient and demanding, and it takes us out of our comfort zone. Not that we ever talk about it in those terms, but it's true. And so what do we do? We bury that thing. We bury our spirituality so far down, it isn't even detectable in our lives. And we're content to go through life as usual without ever even giving a thought to anything spiritual. But every once in a while, life can be so... When you least expect it, something speaks to you in a fresh way 
you experience something you've never experienced before. And it opens your eyes to not even what's possible, but to what is. What's real. And all of a sudden, you remember what this, this is all about. Maybe it comes in the form of the drama of sitting there watching the sun set into the western sky. Or standing in the awe of the supermoon, which is crazy cool. Or hearing the haunting sound of a morning dove on a beautiful spring morning. It seems like such a distant memory right now. (laughs) But it can also come in times of tragedy. It can come in times of loss. When we lose somebody that is so close to us that we feel like we can't move on. Whatever it is, it's in those moments that all of a sudden we wake up and we go, oh yeah, I remember. And we run downstairs and we tear apart the basement until we finally find it. And we grab a hold of our spirituality and we bring it up into the light of day. And for the first time in a long time, you feel fully awake and alive. And all of a sudden, you realize, I am in the house of God. Right now. It's all around me. And this, this, this is where I'm meant to be. This is who I am. This is where I want to hang out for the rest of my days. Because you can feel it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, God has placed in our hearts and minds a sense of eternity. But as we look back on the past and we think upon the future, We cannot grasp the ways of God. God created us with this knowledge inside of us that life goes way beyond the realms of this world. And in fact, our time spent here is like a drop of water in the ocean compared to the rest of eternity. But he created us so that we could know that we were made for something more than just this. That there really is something beyond this life. You could try to stuff it if you want to, but in the quiet moments, you know the truth. You know it's real. And it's in these aha moments that we remember what is truly important. Really? What's not? My uh, Monday through Friday is spent in the business world. And I readily admit that I am the kind of person that is a very success-driven type of person. And I have to constantly fight through the distractions of doing my next deal or making more money, 
to see what's really important. This last week was an exceptionally bad week, and I also have to fight through the worry and the stress of all of the junk that I've been dealing with. I mean, it feels like really bad stuff. But when I boil it down, and I take all the success that I've had in my career that I feel real good about, and I take all the the problems and failures and all the stress that I feel real bad about, and I ask myself in the end, what does it matter? What lasting value does it have? Is it something that will make a difference after they bury me? It tends to change my outlook when I have the courage to ask those questions and confront the situations that I'm going through. Because most of the time, what I get so uptight about will not amount to a hill of beans when I'm dead and gone. When we truly get that in the scheme of eternity, that our existence is no more than just a blip on the screen, it is only then that we can finally get that to put our hope in the stuff of this world is absolutely meaningless, and it will lead to a life of nothingness. Understanding clearly that I, I am dwelling in the house of God right now, will not only cause us to understand what we're wasting our time on, but it will also cause us to ask the question, what am I investing my life in? Is it worth it? What am I giving my life for, my days, my hours, my minutes for? And so there comes this need for a reorg in our lives where we begin to prioritize what's important and what's not and begin to create a whole new perspective about who I am and what I'm about. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus put it this way. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And if a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is just a in-your-face reality that Jesus throws at us. And he says, look, you could try to do it on your own. I'm not controlling you here. You have free will. You're free to live any way you want to live. It's your choice. But if you choose to do life apart from me... You're going to be wasting your life like a branch that is dead, laying by the side of the road, that will eventually be picked up and thrown into the fire. Now, I'm no theologian, but I'm guessing that's a hell reference right there. And so, we have to get that all of the stuff that is a waste of time. We have to get all the stuff that is a waste of time out of our lives so that we can create capacity for the stuff that matters, which is very difficult to do because we're still faced with the daily grind. We're still faced with the basics of life, the necessities of life that we have to deal with. So what is it that we can let go? What is the emptying that we can create? 
And I would say that the emptying part of the Christian life is is one of the hardest parts because it's letting go of all the junk that we pursue that has no meaning. It's this painful process of cutting away of all of our desires of the wrong stuff of this world so that we can create more capacity for the right stuff and be filled up with God. When you run out of space for God, it is our own fault. Because we say, you know what? I'm just too busy. I got too much going on. I don't have any more capacity for anything else. And when we get filled up with the wrong stuff, God stops flowing into our lives because we stop inviting him into our lives. There's just no room left for him. And once again, there is this disconnect of anything spiritual. And we take our spirituality and we walk it back down to the basement. We find a nice shelf somewhere out of the way and we tuck it back away until the next time that we find some big spiritual awakening. While there's a lot jammed up in this verse in chapter 15, I think that out of all this that Jesus is saying, there's one word that I am drawn to more than anything else, and it's the word remain. Because it has the idea here that if we stay connected to Jesus, then he will stay connected to us. But notice this. He puts the onus on us, right? He says, if we remain in him, then he will remain in us. He doesn't force it on us. It's our choice. So how do we remain in him? That word that is used there for remain can be translated from the original language as to linger, to dwell, to stay put, to hang around. Sound familiar at all? I mean, it's the same thing that David was talking about 2,000 years earlier, about dwelling in the house of God and what that looks like. Most of the time, I'm just being honest with you. There is no wow factor here in our walk with God. We look for some big miracle. We look for some big, exciting moment. Some emotion that's going to cause some big spiritual epiphany. But I'm just telling you, it's just plain old making a choice to remain. It's making a commitment to remain in him. To walk every day in Jesus. And to wake up every day in the house of God. 90% of the Christian faith is really just showing up. Being consistent. Doing whatever God asks us to do. It's just things like showing up in church every Sunday morning. Not because you're going to go to hell if you don't show up in church. It's because God created the church so that you have this weekly connection to help you remain in him. It's about while we're here and we're having a time of worship, it's about showing up in the worship time and letting yourself get lost in the singing praise to God. It's not about whether you sing real good or not. Look, I've heard y'all sing. It's not pretty. (laughs) 
It's about that we are lingering in this moment where we are feeling the presence of God. It's about showing up during the offering time and understanding how that's an incredible part of our faith. It's about showing up in a community group where there are a group of people who are just trying their best to remain. It's about serving and spending time giving of ourselves. It's about showing up in our time with God in times of prayer and reading the Bible. Every time we show up, We are lingering in the presence of God, and by doing so, we are filling ourselves up with the stuff that matters. The stuff of God. And look, it's just not one of those things where it's just one of those things. It's all of it. I mean, it's a whole package, because what we're talking about here is creating a lifestyle where we can take it on where we are filled and connected and we just want to linger in the stuff of God because we just love being there. And I, I will dwell in the house of God forever. When you dwell in the house of God, something happens. You become the person that people want to hang around Because you actually become a blessing to other people's lives. Because you're not living the status quo. You're not living selfishly or narcissistically. Goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life to the point that you can't even shake that. You can't help but make a difference in the lives of others because you are radiating the grace and mercy of God. If you're dwelling in the house of God, then you are embodying the radical love of God and walking so closely with him as a branch is into the vine where you cannot understand or see where one begins and the other ends. And through the years, we take on his thoughts and his attitudes. We treat others as as he would treat them. Because we are created in his image and we are becoming the creation that he's created us to be. And if you listen really closely, you can hear the heartbeat of heaven inside of our chest. As we dwell in the house of God, that's the place that everybody wants to. But I'll be honest with you, as I am with everything else in the Christian life. It ain't me. Yet, I feel like I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. But to be honest with you, I struggle with this in my own life where I constantly have to fight and scrape to keep my own connection with God strong. I have to work my rear end off to keep all of the stuff that shouldn't be in my life out so that I can let and have capacity for the stuff of God. Believe it or not, the competition of the stuff that wants to be part of our lives is absolutely overwhelming. The amount of junk that wants to be in there. But out of all the stuff of this world, 
that we can fill our lives with God wants us to be filled with just one thing. Him. His presence. I don't have the secret to keeping a connection with God in your life. I don't have the secret to having this spiritual awakening where we understand this whole another component to our life that we keep hidden and tucked away in the basement. But best I can figure, it's a constant daily process of cutting away and emptying ourselves of all the junk of this world that doesn't matter so that we can create capacity to fill our hearts with God. It's almost like deleting all the junk mail that comes out of your inbox. It's a constant struggle just to delete, 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 to keep it so that you can get to the good stuff. But just, just to cut to the chase this morning, ask yourself this. If you knew your time on this earth was limited, what would you get rid of? What would you cut loose? And what would you fill your life, your final days, with? How would you live differently? Just showing up every day, remembering those five words. The Lord is my shepherd. Helps us to stay on this path. And walk with God. I'll close by talking about one of the most intriguing men that I think is in the Bible. <clears throat> there's not very much mention of him. In fact, I think there's only like four verses that even talk about this guy. But in uh, Genesis chapter 5, it talks about a guy named Enoch. And in five twenty-one through 24, it says, Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. And then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. And then he was no more, because God took him. Enoch's age is enough to like blow anybody away. He lived for 365 years. I'm sure if he were alive today, he'd be on the Willard, Scott, Smuckers, you know, happy birthday label thing. But that's not the amazing part. It's incredible that he gave birth to a kid who happened to be the oldest person to ever live on record. But that's not the amazing part. The thing that amazes me are those three little phrases that say, Enoch walked with God. And then he was no more. Because God took him away. Just based on what you read in that passage, I don't get the impression that Enoch had this like crazy life. There's nothing miraculous that was happening. 
other than they lived a real long time. But he just walked with God. No fanfare, no confetti. He just walked with God here on earth. And because he walked with God here, there was like this seamless transition where God just took him. And he walked right out of this world and into the next. But there was no change of address. He was still living in the house of God. The place that he loved to linger while he was here on this earth is the same place that he is lingering now. You don't have to wait for eternity to begin. It already has. You don't have to die to begin to dwell in the house of God. You can do that right now. I don't think that heaven is this distant, faraway place. I think we can catch a glimpse of heaven right here on earth. I think we can help to create it. But in the end, more than anything else, I want it to be said of me. Wow. That guy finally, he finally got it. He spent the rest of his days walking with God. And then, he was just no more. Because God took him. Because I just wanted to linger a little longer in the place that I love. And as for me, I, I will dwell in the house of God forever. Amen.